Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day with me, none other than Ray Bono, Rebel HQ contributor, all star, remarkable analyst. All right, top story of the day Ben Carson says, well, you know, slavery really wasn't anything to be ashamed of. Not a big deal. All right, let's put it in context. Here it is. And interestingly enough, you look back to the beginnings of this country and our founders, a lot of people are trying to denigrate them now, saying that they were horrible people, maybe because some of them had slaves, and that America is a horrible place because we had slavery. People who say stuff like that obviously don't have a good grasp on world history. Because every society has had to deal with slavery. And there are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been at any point in time. You look at human trafficking and sexual slavery. And we ought to be concerned about what's going on now, not what happened 200 years ago. And if there's anything unique about the United States... If there's anything unique about the United States and slavery, it's that we had so many people who were vehemently opposed to it that we fought a bloody civil war to get rid of the evil institution. And that's what we should teach our children. Our history is nothing to be ashamed of. There's good, there's bad, and there's ugly, as there is in every society inhabited by human beings which is why we need a savior. And that savior for Ben Carson is Master Donald Trump. He was campaigning for Trump while explaining to white people how, well, racist white people in particular, that it's okay. That there are some black people who agree that slavery was not a big deal. Ben Carson is among them. Put up the picture full mask. This is insane. First, let me highlight the reality of the enslaved African in America. 
While the terminology slavery has been utilized and in my opinion overutilized and somehow it has created this this generalization of the great evil known as slavery, let's be 100 about what it actually was. It was in fact human sex trafficking. It was in fact rape and child molestation. It was in fact murder, kidnapping and extreme brutality. All of these things are contextualized under the umbrella of what they call slavery. Who would ever say that child molestation, human trafficking, and murder is in fact not that bad? Who? As I said before, Republicans utilize black conservatives like Ben Carson to say things that white conservatives could never say in public. Imagine a white conservative saying what Ben Carson has just said, okay? Doesn't hit the same, right? So they use a person like Ben Carson as a proxy. Ben Carson was a famed surgeon, one of the best in the 1980s according to the narrative. Did things, broke records, was able to perform in ways that no other surgeon could. When he got appointed to a cabinet position by then President Trump, what is he appointed over? HUD. Yeah, as if he's experienced in housing and urban development. But the connection is urban, Ben Carson, black. We'll let him run it. Let's get it. During an event in Iowa, Carson downplayed the significance of slavery in American history, emphasizing that various societies throughout history have grappled with the issue. Quote, you look back at the beginnings of this country and our founders, a lot of people are trying to denigrate them now, saying that they were horrible people. Maybe because some of them raped children, murdered people, engaged in human sex trafficking, had slaves. And that America is a horrible place because we had slavery, Carson said. People who say stuff like that, he says, obviously don't have a good grasp of world history. Because every society has had to deal with slavery. And there are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been at any point in time, he added, before using human trafficking and sexual slavery as examples. Think about the argument he's posing. What if he would, what if he would have said just murder? Let's just take another evil like murder. What if his contextualization was about how murder is not that big a deal in how this country was founded? You know, they had to murder natives. Um, and murder is not a big deal in context. Would that sound kosher to you? Of course not. It only works in the narrative of slavery. Isn't that ironic? Black African slavery in America, to be precise. He also defended the US. By highlighting the Civil War as a unique instance of an uprising against Slavery, talk about talking out of both sides 
of Yaz. We fought a bloody civil war to get rid of the evil institution. Wait a minute, Ben, I thought you said it wasn't that bad. Now it's an evil institution? You just said five minutes ago, wasn't it? I don't understand, Ben. And that's what we should teach our children, Carson said. Our history is nothing to be ashamed of. Meanwhile, the Yale graduate, um, and I need Yale to release a statement on this. The Yale graduate who was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by former President George W. Bush in 2008 has often referred to enslaved people as immigrants. Immigrants, okay? Quote, there were other immigrants who came here in the bottom of slave ships, worked even longer, even harder for less, but they too had a dream that one day their sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great grandsons, great granddaughters might pursue prosperity and happiness in this land. Carson said during his first speech to HUD employees in 2017, there's more. He later walked back the comments on Facebook, acknowledging that quote, the slave narrative and immigrant narrative are two entirely different experiences. And slaves were ripped from their families and their homes and forced against their will after being sold into slavery by slave traders. Now, who wrote that? A, a communications person did. Okay, he didn't write that. Somebody on his team did. There's more. However, Politico, Politico pointed out that the ideology was subscribed to by the highly regarded doctor long before he pivoted into politics. He echoed nearly the same words in his 2000 book, The Big Picture, quoting his speech at a United Way conference in Alabama in 1997. Well, Look at there. And Ben is supposed to be an enlightened fella. All right, Ravana, um, I'm starting to question that whole thing about him separating uh, the twins that were born. Uh, connect. I think he just got lucky. Uh, I, I cannot see this guy being some kind of genius, but what say you? Well, I think there's a lot to unpack here. And I guess we should maybe start at the needing to appeal to the racism of <laughs> right. the Republican Party. Right. Uh, because it's not just him, it's uh, Nikki Haley being unable to say that the cause of the Civil War was slavery. And even Donald Trump, though he was willing to say that the cause of the Civil War was slavery, bragging about how he was he would have been able to, at the time, sit down at the table with the Confederacy and come to a deal, seemingly coming out on the side of slavery in that situation, right. that it's necessary for Republican politicians to appeal to these sensibilities, you know, I mean, insensibilities of the, uh, the, the racist base that they have, um, I think speaks volumes about what the Republican Party stands for, no matter how much they try to erase their uh, legacy of racism, their, their legacy of um, discrimination, of segregation, of slavery, uh, and try to pin that on uh, the Democratic Party. Not that the Democratic Party is not without its sins and racism. Um, I'll also say that it's ironic that he argues that we need to view the founding of this country in more positive terms and celebrate the figures who founded this country when that sort of patriotic education necessarily requires lying. 
It's the right. reason why kids are taught that George Washington had wooden teeth because people don't want to have to own up to the fact that he didn't have wooden teeth. He ripped the teeth out of the mouths of his slaves to construct dentures for himself. That is an ugly truth about someone who is hailed as a founding father of this country, something that people on his side of the political aisle don't like to talk about. But I think ultimately the reason to to make this argument, especially to that voter base, is because it negates the legacy of slavery. It negates the fact that the history of slavery, although yes, there was a civil war fought and slavery was abolished, the legacy has not ended. The disparity between, uh, you know, just looking at wealth between the white and black communities in this country comes from the legacy of slavery, and that has not been solved. Racism has far and away not been solved in this country. But when someone like Ben Carson says things like this to a, let's face it, predominantly white uh, Republican audience, it makes them feel better. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to appeal to. And it's it's despicable. Yeah, uh, once Ben Carson got that applause, mission accomplished off of him. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. All right. Well, a little bit of entertainment news. Steve Harvey, Kevin Hart both respond to Cat Williams. Well, here it is. In 15 years in Hollywood, no one in Hollywood has a memory of going to a sold out Kevin Hart show. There being a line for him ever getting a standing ovation at any well, comedy club. He already had his deals when he got here. Have we heard of a comedian that came to LA and in his first year in LA, he had his own sitcom on network television and had his own movie called Soul Plane that he was leading? No, we've never heard of that before that person or since that person. What do you think a plant is? For a five-year period, every single movie that Kevin Hart did was a movie that had been on my desk that all I had said was just can we take some of this step and fetch it out and then I can do it. Like it don't need to be overtly homosexual because I'm not homosexual, right? It doesn't need that right. to be funny, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and me saying that and them going, oh yeah, no problem. And then going to give it to this other guy and having him do it just like it was. And acting like I'm a bad person because I keep standing on my standard. But the same Steve that went to go watch Mark Curry do his whole sitcom and then stole everything Mark Curry had. Now Steve got a sitcom where he the principal and he wear a suit and he... And then he gets this high top fade, making all black men think he got the best lineup in the business. And it's a man unit. Then you asked, why you not a movie star? I didn't want to be a movie star. This the same Negro that hated on Bernie with this same thing. 
I didn't want to be a movie star. No, you couldn't be a movie star. There are 30,000 new scripts in Hollywood every year. Not one of them asks for a country bumpkin black dude that can't talk good over baby and look like Mr. Potato Head. This, my, thanks to my wife, I'm where I am. You said that about the first wife. You forget that? You told us it was her. Then you went and married somebody else that think like a man. I mean, if Cat Williams was a researcher, I mean, he would be phenomenal. The amount of time it takes to read all of that information or to review it online. He had no script in front of him. He had all of this stuff on his mind. And that's the edited version, by the way. Uh, let me say this. Um, obviously, I don't like this uh, back and forth and the bickering, uh, the uh, elements of, well, let's just call it dispersion of people like Kevin Hart and Ricky Smiley, Steve Harvey. I have my issues with a couple of them, comedians, on some social policy dynamics. But this just seemed like gossip. But there, there are some people who say, no, no, Cat Williams. Is telling the truth, and as long as he's telling the truth, it's okay. All right, well, here's the truth. Cat Williams, you're the only person out of that group who actually had, had a perm and got beat up by a 12-year-old. That's truth also. Is it, is it okay that I tell the truth? All right, put him up. Full mass. Steve Harvey, Kevin Hart, big targets of the now viral interview from Club Shay Shay. And you know he got a bunch of new followers from this, so you know he's going to be okay. On Monday, Harvey would repost an old motivational video with the message: "You don't have to address your haters." One hundred. Here's that video. I know you ain't got to tell nobody nothing. All you got to do is be it. You ain't got to say. You don't have to open your mouth. You don't have to do it, man. He prepares a table in the presence of mine enemies. He do it all the time. All my haters, I got. I ain't got to say nothing to them. They got TV. <laughs> they can cut their TV on seven days a week. All that hating, he on there. Oh, man, I don't, I don't even worry about it. You know, I've, I've learned how to handle haters, man. And the only reason you have haters is because you're effective. You have haters for two reasons. You're doing something that they're jealous of, or God is preparing to take you somewhere and the devil is providing opposition. Those are the reasons you have haters. God is about to do something and the devil has to throw opposition. Those are the two reasons you have haters. I got plenty of haters. When I get them, man, I always, I always look and see what God finna do. Like I got somebody really attacking me right now. I mean, really going after me, man. I'm just waiting to see what God gonna do. Because they're going to have to get on. But everybody that came after me before, they had to, you eventually had to get on. Because you can't, they can't listen to me, man. Can't nobody stop what God got for you. And nobody, there ain't a man living can stop not one thing God got for you. Oh, don't even worry about them haters, man. Just All you got to do is just keep shining. They see you. You ain't got to say nothing. And plus, how they going to hate if they don't watch? They on my Instagram page right now watching to see what else 
I don't even post nothing. I got people do that. I don't even, you know, really. I can't stand you. You always, I ain't even posted, dog, tell you the truth. So I just let them hate, man. And that's, that's all you got to do, man. Just keep living your life. All right, Kevin Hart, put him up for a mass. The interesting saga here is that Kevin Hart explained in a Fox 5 interview that there is no value in going back and forth with Williams, adding, quote, you don't entertain the circus, you watch it, end quote. The comic turned actor and producer explained that when the lion in a circus comes out riding a little bicycle, no one puts a lot of thought into it. Instead, they may say to themselves, that's crazy. A lion is riding the bike, but will swiftly snap back to reality, go to their respective homes, and enjoy the rest of their day. Quote, I don't feed into the stuff at all. At the end of the day, it's all entertainment and to a certain degree. Hart continued. He said he hopes people have enough sense and logic to do their own research. I just don't have the time for it. It's too much going on. Other comedians weighed in on both sides. Mark Curry accused Harvey of stealing his jokes uh, during an appearance on the Mike and Donnie show. That's probably true. Back in 2019, where he was asked, so what's up with you and Steve, man? He replied, ain't nothing with me. He, Steve, stole my material for his show. So I had a beef on that. Curry went on to say that he received a phone call telling him that Harvey was telling his material on Harvey's bullish talk show. He did my whole Halloween run, said Curry. And I know he didn't think of it. This is true stuff that really happened to me. And so my thing is, you didn't have to do that, homeboy. So you know, MF, you made enough money, mm, you know. You had enough money, you did enough, you know, why are you on my material? Meanwhile, comedian Corey Holcomb appeared on the podcast, Wonder Twins, on January 3rd. He claimed that William stole J.B. Smooth's material for one of his first specials. What? Not J.B. Smooth, man. J.B. don't mess with anybody. He accused Williams of stealing J.B. Smooth's joke. Anybody could walk out to do or anything to specific track plan before saying, that's my ish after the music stopped and using the music as part of his routine. Quote, I dare somebody to say this ain't true cause I can get a thousand comics to back me up, said Holcomb. I root for Cat. I root for Cat. But that joke where he do like, man, if you listen to this song, you can do anything off this song. That's J.B. Smooth joke, homie. And quote. I've tried to catch everybody up. Um, I spoke with Ricky Smiley, our dear friend and brother, who uh, gave a response on his morning show. Very classy, um, very factual, and also very non-combative. Um, he wishes Cat Williams well. All right. Okay, Ravana, I think I caught everybody up here now. I think so. What say yeah. you? Yeah, so first I'll say that was some professional tear hating from Cat Williams <laughs> Man, on that podcast. Hating like it was his job. And you know what? It probably is because it's probably building hype for some project he's got in the works and he needs <laughs> right. some attention on him. Um, I'll say me and my best friend have come up with a, a theory. We call it the the Doja Cat defense. Uh, Doja Cat, obviously a celebrity who's been in hot water many times. She never addresses her controversies. 
and everyone forgets about them in a few days and a few weeks, however long it takes. Doesn't matter what she does, she just never speaks on it, and eventually it goes away. And I think that that's how more celebrities need to approach, especially when you know it's just hate coming from someone else. Just let it slide off. Um, don't give them the attention that they're they're looking for, and uh, and it'll go away, and then things will be better. One one of my takeaways from this. Uh, the story, though, is that there's a lot of podcasts. <laughs> a there's lot. Maybe, we've maybe got too many podcasts. And we can many consolidate of some of these. <laughs> this whole thing put many of them on the map, <laughs> literally. All right, we'll update you if there's a, I guess, significant update. Okay, uh, jury declines to prosecute a woman who had a miscarriage uh, because a judge decided to move forward with allowing her to be charged with a crime connected to the corpse of the miscarriage. This was an insane story that we brought you right here on Indisputable. Put up the picture full mass. A jury was able to do what the judge said he could not figure out. They dropped any opportunity at indictment for this. Per the AP, 34-year-old Brittany Watts, the Ohio woman facing a criminal charge for her handling of a home miscarriage, will not be charged following the grand jury decision on Thursday. The Trumbull County Prosecutor's Office said grand jurors declined to return the indictment for abuse of corpse against Watts. Resolving a case that sparked national attention for its implications for pregnant women as states across the country hash out new laws governing reproductive health access in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned. The announcement came hours before about 150 supporters gathered for a quote, we stand with Brittany rally on Warren's Courthouse Square. The planned event meant to support Watts' case instead became an unexpected celebration. Watts was among several speakers who addressed the crowd. She said, and I quote, I want to thank my community, Warren, Warren, Ohio. I was born here. I was raised here. I graduated high school here. And I'm going to continue to stay here because I have to continue to fight, she said. Watts' lawyer, attorney Tracy Timko, said the outpouring of correspondence, donations, and prayers from the public helped Watts endure the ordeal of being charged with a felony, punishable up to a year in prison. The attorney stating further in a quote, no matter how shocking or disturbing it may, it may sound when presented in a public forum, it is simply the devastating reality of miscarriage, end quote. Let me give you a recap of what happened. Watts had visited Mercy Health St. Joseph's Hospital. This is a Catholic facility in working class Warren. Twice in the days leading up to her miscarriage, her doctor had told her she was carrying a non-viable fetus. Non-viable fetus. And to have her labor induced or risk significant risk of death according to the records of her case. This is all noted in her medical file. Due to delays and other complications, her attorney said, she left each time without being treated. After she miscarried, she tried 
to go to a hair appointment, but friends sent her to the hospital. A nurse called 911 to report a previously pregnant patient had returned reporting the babies in her backyard in a bucket. Now remember, this is not a baby, okay? This is fetal tissue, all right? It's not a baby. Um, and uh, that called and launched a police investigation that led to the eventual charge against Watts. I'll put him up, put up the prosecutor. Okay, so I'm going to give you the uh, one two combination of uh, these um, old white males who decided to harm this woman who just had an extremely traumatic experience. Warren assistant prosecutor Louis Garnier, Garnier told municipal court judge Terry Invanchak that the issue was not, quote, how the child died, end quote, or when, but that the fetus was put in a toilet and was large enough to clog the toilet. Yeah, that's what he said the issue was for him, okay? Uh, reports state after the toilet clogged, Watts removed some of its contents, the fetal tissue, to an outdoor trash area. She then left the house where the 22-week-old fetus, according to him, remained in the pipes. An autopsy determined, however, the fetus died in utero and identified no recent injuries, meaning the doctor who originally said non-viable uh, fetus was correct. Attorney Timko told the judge that Watts, who had no criminal record, was being demonized for something that goes on every day, and also argued Ohio's abusive court statute lacked clear definitions, including what is meant by human corpse? And what constitutes outrage and reasonable sensibilities? These are not bright line issues. These are subject to interpretation, which is sad. Uh, put her up, okay? Um, Ivanchuk found probable cause to bind over Watt's case. And I remember when this guy said the quote, there are better scholars than I am to determine the exact legal status of this fetus, corpse, body, birthing tissue, whatever it is, end quote. Let's keep him up. This man said this. Now, so you mean to tell me, Judge, that the people in the grand jury, on the grand jury, who never went to law school are better legal scholars than you are because they decided unanimously that you're an idiot for even sending this case to them and decline to charge her. There's more, put them up. Trumbull County Prosecutor, Dennis Watkins said in a statement, the county prosecutor, quote, respectfully disagree with the lower court's application of the law. After their follow-up investigation, found Watts did what? Committed no crime. Let's go back to the judge. Even the prosecutor judge says you're an idiot. Watts hopes her story can be an impetus, impetus to change, Timco said, through the education and legislation. Timco said, we can make sure no other woman must set her grief and trauma on a back burner to muster the strength to fight for her freedom. You're talking about an individual who had a significant background of responsible behavior as it relates to the care, prenatal care of the child. You had a proper medical diagnosis in writing that said non-viable tissue is inside of you now. Um, we're going to have to induce this in order to make sure there's no risk of death to you, okay? She has a miscarriage. She disposes 
of the fetal tissue that came from her body. These things are not abnormal. Happens across America, unfortunately, very often. But in this situation, the white male dominated justice system decided to charge this woman with a felony. And if it had not been for a grand jury of regular citizens, this woman would be going to prison. All right, Ravana, thoughts here. Yeah, well, I'll say that I am glad uh, that the grand jury was sensible and that hopefully Brittany Watts is able to get on with her life now. But I mean, this story is the story of white men in the uh, injustice system failing Brittany Watts, a black woman, at every single step of the way. Yep. Um, also, a story of one overzealous worker at the hospital calling the police to investigate something that was not a crime scene. And I think there needs to be more investigation into whether or not that was appropriate, uh, inappropriate action by that uh, worker at the hospital. But that aside, uh, I want to I want people to consider the chilling effect that this would have on women experiencing um, if they were to have jailed her. And even this prosecution of her up to this point, the chilling effect it has on women experiencing miscarriages, um, that they might forego going to the hospital after having a miscarriage because they're afraid that they're going to be prosecuted, risking their lives in doing so. But also, uh, many people who have miscarriages miscarry in public. So would those people who miscarry in public be required to uh, scoop up whatever uh, fetal tissue might have been deposited into the toilet and carry it with them? And what does it even mean to dispose of it properly? I, this was a despicable case. And I think it's really exemplified by the grotesque description given by the police officer, which includes him insinuating that she took a fetus and put it into the toilet as opposed to what actually happened was that she miscarried well on the toilet like right. thousands of other women across uh, the country do every single year. This was, uh, it seems like targeted harassment of women and their bodies and reproductive justice, particularly coming after the citizens of the state voted to protect women's uh, reproductive freedoms. That's right, very well said. Um, I am glad that this ended without additional um, legal entanglement, um, but it does um, create now an opportunity uh, for the state to create a more exacting statutory law as it relates to this in the future. All right, we got more on the other side, indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back, lot of show left. Let me read a few of these viewer comments. I am pressed for time, thank you for joining the show. Lynn says, not sure how Carson reconciles the fact that he says slavery wasn't a big deal, but then refers to it as an evil institution. That's a, I'm sorry, but evil institution is a big deal, Ben, okay? Uh, isn't an evil institution a big deal? Yes, Lynn, exactly. He just he was just talking and the people he's talking to, they, they will give him a pass on that part because he will say the other part and give him a round of applause. All right, uh, America needs a reboot. If something happens to my brain and I need surgery, he's not getting anywhere near me. <laughs> you you know what he put in there, LOL. Trista, I'm sorry, Doc Cat is terribly entertaining. He is. He's a real talent, authentic talent. Doesn't mean he doesn't have 
a PhD, professional haters degree. Okay, I'm not a comedian. I just, that was an old joke back from the day. All right, I got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Put him up full mass. This Mayor Karen is upset because he ran into Mexicans in Southern California. Sir, your comment, go back to effing Mexico B word as you left. The establishment that you were in and patronizing, that comment shows. Not only your ignorance, but your true colors, no pun intended. Uh, The reality is you were simply a walking bag of racism. The people you decided to speak to this way deserve much better than what you gave them. But we provide an opportunity at reflection right here at Indisputable. Hopefully that reflection leads to a correction in your life. Somebody gotta love you. I hope they give this video to you, all right? Rayvonna thoughts. Well, I got to start by saying the comment about go back to Mexico when he was just bragging about his family being here for five generations, but the sixth generation, were they from America? No, sir, they were not. Right. <laughs> were white ancestors were not are not indigenous to this land and yet you walk around here like you own the place and that is the legacy of colonialism in America and it's disgusting. I also fail to understand the psychology of the racists mind that they need everyone to know they're not racist before they say horrifically racist insults and comments because he says, I'm not racist, I'm just asking why are we listening to, he called it Mexican music. But then he went on to say, go back to your country and you know, call her a bitch. It's, is it to comfort himself, to, to reassure himself that he's not racist? I'm sure he knows he's racist. He's clearly proud of being racist. So why can't they just own up to it? Why do they have to usually before preface their racism with, oh, but I promise 
I'm not actually racist. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is insane. It's like they want to they want to be racist. They just don't want to be called a racist. Exactly. Uh, and that's the splitting of the hairs. All right, got something for you. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Keep walking. Yeah. We come here to have a swim in peace. In peace. In peace. After we dance today on our land. Put it up full mass. Let's talk about the saddest thing in this picture. Her training her dog to become a Karen too. Look at this. All right, so let's keep the picture up. Um, she was at a pond. There's a landowner. Landowner says, hey guys, mm, this is my land. And then you see the extreme behavior. Let me highlight a couple of dynamics here. The privilege is unbelievable. You criminally trespass, according to the allegation, on somebody else's property. You enjoy their pond that I'm sure they maintain and keep and they enjoy too. They don't come at you the way you came at them once they simply alert you to the reality of the situation. Your privilege allows you to just leave and say, I'm sorry. Nobody called the police on you. Nobody threatened to shoot you. They just wanted you to move along. And then you decide to seemingly criminally assault the landowner while trespassing and training your damn dog how to do so as well. This is extreme. Um, Ravana, you know, put your legal mind on for just a minute. <laughs> the way that person was approaching the individual who was recording, they would have been well within their right because that aggression towards somebody, you can anticipate combat and defend yourself. They would have been well within their right to put that person down physically, mm -hmm. but they did not. They literally avoided combat and said, I'm going to now call the police. What say you? Well, yeah, so depending on the state is how it determines how you need to get someone off of your land. Um, but it is absolutely always appropriate to first request that they leave by and inform them that they are trespassing on your property and then give them a, a reasonable period to exit, which clearly happened uh, before the video was recording and while she was started recording the video. Um, and as soon as that Karen exposed herself as you know, not housebroken, a feral Karen, <laughs> if you will. Um, 
I'd say that in pretty much any jurisdiction, if she had used uh, lethal force against that individual, I mean, it's reasonable for her to think that her life was at risk. The way that she just dropped all semblance of humanity and ran at her like a wild animal. I mean, put the fear of God in me watching the video. I can't even imagine being on the scene and being attacked in that way. I mean, she she was she would have been well within her rights to use force. Not just to defend herself, but to remove that Karen from the property. And I have to comment that a small dog does seem to be the accessory of choice for so (laughs) many Karens. Uh, And a Chihuahua really does sort of bring Karen energy to the table. So I can see why she would choose that. But it is sad for the dog, uh, who you're right, you know, is learning bad behavior from this horrible woman and you know we try to give people grace but i can't you know imagine that she was just having a bad day that caused her to snap in such a manner this yeah. was uh, you know i'm beside myself at, at the way in which she was running like a cryptid being <laughs> captured on found footage that was just something else yeah and it it went from 0 to 1000 so yeah. quickly right okay all right we got more On the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments. Lee O, Smoke and Shadow Dragon, member for six months. Thank you so much. That Karen with the dog was like the Blair Witch. Karen's a dangerous. That's right. That's right. All right, um, very sad story. Vice president of a university. She unalives herself because of excessive bullying. She attempted to seek help. Lincoln University President Dr. John Mosley of uh, and the board of curators are now under fire. After the university's vice president of student affairs, Dr. Antoinette Bonnie Cand- uh, Candy Bailey took her own life on the 8th of January. Bailey's passing has now sparked outrage from LU alumni across the country who are now calling for the resignation of that president, President Mosley. New documents sent to KRCG and written by Candia Bailey on the day she took on life, outlining university president, Dr. John Mosley as causing quote, enough harm and mental damage end quote. Multiple emails obtained by someone close to Miss uh, Mrs. Candia Bailey and shared with KRCG show, shows that she sent emails to the president of the university and to the board of curators outlining the request for family medical leave and ADA Americans with Disabilities Act. State that relationship, excuse me, between her and the president went downhill due to her severe depression and anxiety. Sources state that Dr. Bailey was left, quote, unsupported, disregarded, and abused after countless attempts to speak out on the bullying and harassment she experienced in her role from the university's president. Dr. Bailey also reported, reportedly discussed in a letter before passing the stigmatized bullying 
she faced from the president and other leadership officials. After disclosing her mental illness to the university, sources tell us that the administration failed Dr. Bailey in her cries for help and should no longer be allowed to lead Lincoln University. And I concur. Additional emails reveal that when she made complaints about how she was treated to the board of curators, the board president wrote a response back to her saying in part, quote, please be advised. The board of curators does not engage in the management of personnel issues for Lincoln University and will not be taking further action related to this issue. All right, well, put them up full mask then. Welcome to the party. Board of Curators, Lincoln University. Dr. Bailey also wrote that she was intentionally harassed and bullied, and that after receiving a poor evaluation, when she asked for help, the president, Dr. Mosley, ignored requests, failing to respond to emails, or when face to face danced around the topic, chapter three of the Board of Curators bylaws, which have been in effect since March 30th, 2023, covers operational guidelines for personnel. That section of bylaws is unclear whether the board can take on any personnel or HR issues outside of hiring in certain circumstances. In her final email to the president of the college on the day of her death, Dr. Bailey also asked for only select members of her sorority to be allowed to collect her things, saying, Roseanne can speak with my family from the administration. You're not to have any contact. You've caused enough harm and mental damage. KRCG has reached out to the administration at Lincoln University. They have declined to comment at this time. On Thursday, the Board of Curators called a meeting for Friday at 3 p.m. with a partially open session agenda. The Jefferson community is now rallying for accountability, utilizing the hashtag Fire Mosley to help raise awareness and shed light on the beloved VP alumni's a tragic passing. Um, university president has to go. Uh, your board of curators, uh, in my opinion, are feckless leaders. Somebody should have had an ounce of humanity. This is an institution not simply of higher education, but of higher connection. And it's unfortunate it happened this way. Rayvon, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, this is a horrific story. And not only does this uh, president need to go, they also I, I believe that her estate needs to sue for workplace harassment, potential uh, disability discrimination. This is mortifying. And, you know, we talk about bullying a lot in relation to uh, children in school, but bullying is something, you know, that we see perseveres into adulthood, particularly in the workplace. And, you know, as the details laid out here, she was. Um, being harassed by her direct supervisor, by the person in a position of power above her. And she reached out to support from the board and they shot her down. All of these people had a role to play in her taking her own life and this tragedy. And, uh, you know, there needs to be severe repercussions uh, and insurances that this, uh, that they're going to take meaningful steps to ensure that this never happens again. All right. We will continue to follow. We got more on the other side. Indisputable stick and stay. All right, hell of a story. A mayor 
out of Illinois. This mayor went to Vegas, a Vegas trip, spent a bunch of taxpayer money, according to the allegation. I'll put her up full math. You're looking at Mayor Tiffany Henyard of Dalton. She's facing accusations of spending taxpayer money on lavish trips and other miscellaneous expenses. She was elected in 2021. She was the first woman to hold the position for the small village located 20 miles from Chicago. There's a reporter, Brittany Norwood. Fox News reported, excuse me, that Brittany Norwood, a Dalton trustee responsible for the village's finances, raised concerns about mounting debt due to the spending practices of the mayor, alleging fraud. Ms. Norwood is listed as a defendant in a lawsuit filed in December, claiming Henyard misused funds. Quote, the defendant's actions, as alleged, constitute a fraud upon the residents and taxpayers of the village. The lawsuit reportedly says the extent to which defendant has improperly um, expended village funds is unknown due to defendant blocking the plaintiff trustees access to village accounts and financial situation. According to the New York Post, Henyard allegedly dished out nearly $4,000 on round trip flights to Vegas, hundreds of hundreds at restaurants and invested thousands into personal security. It ultimately takes the officers away from their duties patrolling the small town, which has a population of 20,600 uh, 20, people. She was also met with criticism for expensive self-promotional billboards through the village and for hiring DJs for board meetings. Last month, she suggested a 90% salary cut as a tactic to deter candidates from running against her. However, if she wins, she can keep her annual $224,000 check. Quote, I feel as if I'm in a dictatorship, Norwood told Fox News, adding, I'm always in disbelief. I always pray before I get to the meetings, and I pray for her that she's changed, end quote. Norwood believes that the village is on the path of bankruptcy if hinder spending isn't regulated. She claims that Dalton is $7 million in debt and counting. Therefore, the trustees are relying on the court to hold Henyard accountable. Uh, the court process is a lengthy process, but during that time period, they're constantly spending. Norwood explained to the news network, quote, I think that the residents should know that she's manipulative. So I want them to understand that we were fighting for what's right. All we want is for her to provide transparency and for her to do what's right by the community. Put up the mayor again. Madam Mayor, I don't know if all of these allegations are true. It definitely doesn't look good for you. You seem to be a go big or go home kind of person. At this point, they're just asking you to be transparent. There's not an FBI raid on your home yet. I highly encourage you if there's some level of malfeasance, you try to get it right between you and the good people of that village. You are still currently their public leader.
All right, Ravana, hell of a story here. Thoughts? It is a hell of a story, and you know I'm based out of Illinois. This story broke, you know, more locally over a month ago, and since it hit local press here. She has not tapered or reined in her spending, you know, <laughs> allegedly whatsoever, which I find to be fascinating, particularly as she's facing uh, intense public scrutiny and then using that public scrutiny to further justify uh, security, paying for security with taxpayer dollars surrounding her, which she was doing prior to this uh, you know uh, scrutiny she was under i will say one thing that i i love about this show is that we get to talk about uh, examples of uh, you know alleged corruption in, in local politics uh, whereas a lot of other news shows focus in reasonably but they focus on national corruption but people need to realize that state and local politics can be just as corrupt, if not more so corrupt, and they enjoy not being under the microscope that yep. politicians at the federal, at the national level uh, are analyzed under. So they oftentimes get away with it. And I think this story is fascinating because you have these members uh, you know, of the board of trustees who are begging just for a tiny shred of transparency and like a shred of you know attention to be shined on this issue they the one they care about their city they and Dalton is a tiny little city outside of Chicago so i need everyone to keep that in mind when you hear that this is 7 million dollars that the city's now in the hole because of the debt she's creating when we're talking about uh you know federal fiscal policy, $7 million is nothing. But that is a massive amount of money oh, yeah. to the tiny town of Dalton. Yep, very well said. Always a pleasure having you on the program. Ravonna, tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me back on. Um, everybody can see my videos for Rebel HQ on YouTube and Facebook, and they can follow me at Ravonna TTV on Twitter. There it is, until next time, always, all right. Bullpen is next, stick and stay. All right, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, he's back in the bullpen. We have Brad Palumbo, YouTuber and co-founder of Based Politics. He is a policy journalist, also correspondent at the Foundation for Economic Education. His work has been cited by lawmakers like Senator Ron Paul. We choose to not hold that against him here. All right, good day, sir. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We're going to chop it up about an interesting dynamic. It's called protest in the United States of America. And there are some who believe that protest has to be of a particular style and brand in order for it to be appropriate. I don't want to presume what you know, believe about how protests should be properly done in this country. So if you would give us your opinion, I would then opine. Yeah, so Dr. Ritchie, look, I'm a big supporter of the First Amendment, the right to protest. 
all that, but everybody agrees that you can't infringe on other people's rights in the process. And what we're witnessing right now across the country is ceasefire protesters upset about what's going on in Israel, pulling stunts like blocking traffic to try to, to, try to raise awareness for their cause. And I think that is disgraceful tactic to use. They are trapping ambulances that need to get to hospitals. They're victimizing innocent people who can't get to work where they need to go to jobs to feed their families. They have every right to make their voice voices heard about this issue, but the way they're doing it is I think most likely illegal and regardless, I think is deeply unethical and also counterproductive for their own cause. The purpose of protest is to make people uncomfortable, to create a significant inconvenience in their life. Emphasis is the reality of protest, you are emphasizing a point. So let me give you some pushback because I think the emphasis of style somehow becomes equivocal to the matter of protest. Give an example. They're not protesting Israel per se, they're protesting the Israeli government committing genocide. That's a big deal. The mass murder of individuals who are basically are children in Gaza. You have an average age of 19.2 and 40% of the population there is under 14 years of age. That is a human rights dynamic. If you go to protests that took place in the 60s in America, um, traffic was stopped because of protest, police brutality. If you go to what happened when white protesters decided to you know, try to overthrow the government. You know, they stopped traffic too. They didn't have a permit to do their march that the president told them to go and do. It stopped traffic. Nobody complained about it. They then committed criminal trespass and literally tried to find Mike Pence to hang him. So we can talk about this in the context of what's important. And remember, the summer of violence, as white conservatives typically call Black Lives Matter protests across the nation. Well, the figures are in. 93% of those protests had absolutely no semblance of violence. And traffic was stopped at less than 1% of the time, more than five to 10 minutes. These things are already allocated. You can check me out anytime at report time. So I think you have a relevant argument in the, in the sense of convenience versus inconvenience. But it's not a protest, dear brother, if somebody doesn't feel inconvenienced in the protest. That's the whole purpose of it. Yeah, so I have to disagree with a couple things there. One, on the Black Lives Matter protests, there were tons of peaceful protests, but there were also mass riots and looting. And actually, more than two dozen people died during riots associated with the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. And what you actually saw was support for the cause go down in the polls as those protests got out of hand. And that's where I have to push back on you. The point of a protest well, I'm going for a to, cause. I'm going to give you the figures and then I'm going to tell you to give me yours. So I got my figures from the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, A-C-L-E-D. That's where my numbers are cited from. And then I will give you the opportunity to cite where your numbers are from. 
Right. So I'm not disputing that 90 plus percent were peaceful. What I'm telling you is that in the 10 percent or 7 percent or whatever of those protests Mm -hmm. that weren't peaceful, more than 20 people died. Just Google how many people died in the BLM riots. Sources like The Guardian will come up, right? Liberal leaning sources. And I'm just telling you that that form of protest is counterproductive. And the point of protest is to convince people. Blocking traffic Mm -hmm. doesn't convince people, it pisses them off. It makes them, Mm -hmm. I agree with you that what's happening in Israel and Gaza right now is of the utmost importance. It's a deep concern. So that's exactly why you should want to get people on side, not make them hate you. And all I can tell you is that everyday people who need to get to their jobs, when they see purple haired protesters blocking the street, they don't Mm -hmm. think, hmm, I should learn more about their cause. They think, who are these stupid people? Why are they stopping me from getting to work to feed my kid? Mm. And why would I ever listen to them and take anything they have to say seriously? Mm. They, They thought like that before the protest, though. They might not. A lot of Americans don't have their minds made up on this. So, so you think because a person may have been inconvenienced with a traffic jam, which by the way happens routinely, especially in cities like Atlanta where I live. You think that inconvenience because individuals are standing up for life, for humanity, that is going to cause them to say, "Oh, that did it, I no longer support people. I think that people, everyday people don't pay attention to global geopolitics happening halfway across the world that much. And then when their first exposure to it is protesters blocking Mm. ambulances in the street and preventing them to get from their jobs. Yeah, I think that's going to make them a lot less likely to listen to that cause. So if you really care about getting that message out, you would go about your protests in a way that's constructive, not Mm. destructive. Would you consider the protest of the 60s where young black people decided to sit in opposition to law in restaurants where statutorily it was illegal to do so? And it created significant permeation of violence perpetrated by way of the police and also citizens, white citizens who did not want black people sitting in those restaurants. They knew that this violence would occur. They knew these individuals would likely try to harmed them physically, and many of them did. And they too were blamed for not being constructive, for only pissing off white people. Do you not see the pattern here, dear sir? So the same individuals who decided to engage in protests in the 60s to make people uncomfortable in order to highlight the reality of the insanity of their policies, well, you still have people today doing the exact same. And the individuals who oppose them are saying what you're saying. That yeah, let me tell you why I think it's being different. Inconvenienced and it's pissing people off. It's different for one key reason. When they were doing sit-ins at segregated diners, they were doing the protest at the institution that was committing the harm. Blocking bridges that in is Brooklyn is not going to convince you, right? You're protesting segregation by going to a segregated restaurant and sitting down in it and protesting. You're so actually me, targeting the root you. of the injustice. Bibi mm-hmm. Netanyahu does not care if you block a bridge in Brooklyn, right? He is not paying it to the Israel. If you're mad about what the Israeli government but is doing. Sir, they're not trying to convince Netanyahu. They're trying to convince the American government. But let me correct you on a point because I actually do teach a class on Dr. King and the protest movement. They utilize those restaurants as a proxy for everything from voting rights. Um, to being able to have officials represent them 
in their communities by way of the district line. So these protests were utilized for, for a multifaceted approach, not just one approach, but segregation and the evils of bigotry and racism codified in that. Of course it was, but let me read to you the numbers so that you can understand the exact data. The data of Black Lives Matter protests, more than 93% were peaceful. There was no according of violence. The armed conflict location event project analyzed more than 7,750 Black Lives Matter demonstrations in all 50 states in the United States of America and included Washington, D.C. This took place after George Floyd's murder. Their reports state that out of those thousands and thousands of active protests, fewer than 220 reported violent demonstrations. Fewer what than 220. That, Hold on. What does that I, mean? Well, well, I'm glad you asked me the question. Fewer than 220 had any report of a violent demonstration. Here's what that means. That means that the narrative from Republicans that said it was a summer of violence from black people inside of the Black Lives Matter movement is a lie. Actually, a lot of the radicals doing it were white people, not a lot of them were. But so, Dr. Ritchie, to the at least, I'm reading you a headline from The Guardian right now. At least 25 Americans were killed during protests amid political unrest in 2020. Do you think it means a lot to their families of those dead people who were killed in the riots that, oh, well, 93% were peaceful? It was only 200 riots. Understand what you're saying here. I don't equivocate death. Death is bad at any turn. Death was bad during the January 6th terrorist attack, where we had people that died because of that attack on American soil. But the reality is this, dear brother, when we talk about protest, I don't know if the issue for you is what they're protesting. Um, we started the conversation about stopping traffic. The deaths that you are talking about, obviously unfortunate and sad. But is it, did they die because of traffic being stopped? No, no, you were bringing up the BLM incidences in 2020 and 25 because people BLM died in those was riots. Summarily yes. Blamed, yes, because they were summarily blamed for stopping traffic and creating all of these issues adverse to uh, commerce and traveling, et cetera. Let me ask you this question, the Boston Tea Party, uh, was that a party? <laughs> no, it was not. It was what? There was a protest, a riot. It was a violent they protest. Right. It was a violent protest, a violent protest that was done by white people. And these white people committed this violent protest that disrupted the commerce of that region, that stopped these trade port ships, that totally dismantled their economic reality in that local region for a period of time. And we say today, it was a Boston Tea Party. My point to you is that narrative connects to white folk in a way it does not benefit black people. Imagine I mean, most of the ceasefire protests, people. that's tons of white people are leading wait, that. Wait a minute, it's not about white or lot. black. No, no, the criticism let me, is of the let me make the point. Well, let me make the point. If black people would have engaged in um, a violent um, mob going on port ships, taking away very expensive items, back then it was tea because of the taxation tariff. If black people would have done that, do you think today we would call it the Boston Tea Party? I don't think at the time they would have would have supported it, but that's because they had very bad ideas about race and about. But black you understand people. my point, right? In the in the journey of history, do you think at some point we would have looked back at that situation? All we do is change the color of the skin of the people who did it. Do you think we would today call it the Boston Tea Party? I'd feel the same way about it. I'm sure some people Sir, wouldn't. I'm, I'm questioning. 
your, I'm trying to give you the opportunity, dear brother, to not gaslight it. You know good and damn well that if black people would have done that, the narrative would have been different. My point is that narrative seems to change when it's either a black cause or a black supported cause. It doesn't mean that only black people support it. There were a lot of white, white people that supported the George Floyd um, cause. The murder of George Floyd was evident. A lot of white folks supported that. But that's still and, a But black who do you call. think's being victimized most by blocking traffic right now? When we see these viral videos of frustrated people who can't you know get to work, many, it is vastly disproportionately people mm -hmm. of color and that's low income people I, I don't know who are where getting you to their jobs from. and can't get to work. What if they get fired, Dr. Ritchie? Gotcha. Uh, what about a person well, of color who gets fired number. because he's late to work gotcha. because of the, one of these let protests? Me give you, I understand. Let me give you a number uh, because you keep going back to the traffic thing. What percentage? Of protest in America actually blocks traffic. I don't know. Less than one percent. Well, we're seeing it widespread right now in widespread, major cities. Huh? Yeah. Go yeah. to look how many bridges were just blocked in New York City just yeah. this week. How long were they blocked? Out until the people were arrested, and many of them there were released go. with the slap on the wrist, and they'll do it that's again. That's correct because it is a it's an ordinance violation, sir. That's why. And it should it's be something violation. more severe. You want it to be a felony? I don't know about a felony, but there should be some be? more serious consequences. Like what? Tell it. us. You, you should go to jail. You want block traffic? Go to jail. Go to jail. Maybe for, for a, a month. Jaywalking charge. It's not a jaywalking charge oh, if you block an ambulance. That's why it's an ordinance. No, blocking an ambulance intentionally is a different charge. Blocking emergency services has its own statutory. What do dynamic. you think happens when you block a bridge for hours? Well, it depends. If there's another way to get to the location that you're getting to, you reroute. They're blocking multiple what, bridges at once. And sir, what if they, it takes longer to go the other way? It's a matter of life and death to get to you a hospital really believe, in time. No, I understand your point. I understand your point about traffic. But you really believe that the emphasis is in the less than 1% of formation of protest. That's the emphasis of the argument. And in my opinion, that's to dissuade from the reality of what protest should be. And once again, it's to make people uncomfortable. It's to provide an inconvenience. Uh, these things are not uh, these things are not pretty. They're not uh, roses and rainbows. Uh, this is real life. And when people are standing up for their rights or by proxy the rights of others, uh, it comes into this formation. There's a cause and effect relationship, Brad. If we do the right thing, if you do the right thing, you typically don't get this kind of result. We're trying to align this nation back to its higher self, if that even exists. And in doing so, when there's no political bridge, when there's no economic bridge, when there's no champion bridge, meaning a political leader willing to champion the values, the people themselves, they have to then block the bridge in order to get your attention. I give you the last And word. it's getting, I'll just tell you, what they're doing right now may be getting people's attention, and it's getting their attention to piss them off and make them less likely to support the, the ceasefire cause. I'll just guarantee you, watch yeah. the polls the next couple months, it will go down because of these protests, not up. If you want to support a cause, this is the worst way to do it. Yeah, I think it's very sad that somebody would abandon the principles of humanity and humanitarian ceasefires because they were inconvenienced getting to work. I do appreciate you being on the show, though. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Okay. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. 
Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America compared to CNN, Fox News, and 30 other networks. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is indisputable. We go places that other news media outlets refuse to go. When there were human rights abuses happening at the Victorville prison, guards and members of the community contacted us. You, through your investigative reporting, unearthed very troubling allegations about specific forms of abuse and discrimination in the federal prison system. It really doesn't take much to be a trusted voice. All it takes is to be fearless, report on matters, be an advocate. I called it the bullpen intentionally because it's a place of preparation. We present individuals who may have an opposing view, so we debate. Sometimes we interview individuals because their stories deserve to be heard. A survivor of significant police misconduct and his attorney. We covered this story earlier and remind you of the horror of one man being shot at damn near 100 times by the police. We take time on this show to showcase the temper tantrums of Karens in the wild. We do this not because we want to see people's emotional outbursts in public, but because these incidents are emblematic of a bigger societal issue taking place across the nation, and it has to be checked. My friend, my big homie, attorney at law, Benjamin Crump. I just want to thank you, man. When educated, articulate brothers like yourself speak truth to power, it makes a great difference and changing the landscape in America. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.